0: I'm Stephen Jones. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to Sound Advice. So in 2020, the government spent a staggering £280 billion on measures to fight COVID-19, its impact on the economy. This includes £73 billion for measures to support jobs, such as the furlough scheme, and £127 billion on NHS and, public, uh, and other public services, and also £66 billion spent on grants and loans to support businesses. Uh, on top of this, the government will also raise £100 billion less tax than it hoped to because of the crisis, so that's from uh, unemployed and furloughed workers um, who pay less income tax and businesses paying less tax uh, if their profits are lower. Um, so... They're going to want to get this money back at some point, um, and that could be through raised taxes. So, the the March budget that's coming up is going to be um, is going to be very very important and, and fascinating to see what comes out of it. I'm joined today by Martin Adams. Hello, Martin. Hi, Steve. So, Martin is uh, one of the tax partners at Ballard's LLP, and he's a, a chartered uh, accountant and a, a qualified chartered tax advisor as well. So, hopefully, he'll have something uh, sensible to uh, to say about. About the situation. Um, Martin, just before we start, I appreciate we just caveat that any comments that um, you make or any of your thoughts are, are purely speculation and, and shouldn't be taken as a recommendation because um, obviously we're not sure what's going to come out of the budget. So these are just sort of some, some thoughts and so on um, that we're going to cover today. But just to kick off the discussion, do you want to? Give an idea of your expectations of the budget um, and perhaps a sort of general overview of the annual tax revenues that have historically been received and give a bit of context to the challenges that lie ahead.
1: Thanks, Steve. So as a brief overview, tax revenues are the primary source of income for the government. And in 2019-20 tax year, the total UK tax revenues, as reported in HMRC's accounts, amounted to approximately £637 billion of these revenues, almost 75% were made up of what we refer to as the big three, being income tax, national insurance, and VAT. Around 9% of the tax revenues are in the form of corporation tax, and the remainder are from all other taxes to, to much reduced rates to that.
0: It's interesting. So, so only three taxes generate such a large proportion of the overall tax take. Do, do you want to sort of elaborate on that a bit more?
1: That's right. So to put some figures, the, the big three, the income tax, national insurance and VAT in 1920 brought in for the government 194 billion for income tax, 142 billion for national insurance and 137 billion for VAT. So by far the biggest revenue generators for the government in that period.
0: Mm. So is the solution obvious? Is it that the government will just increase income tax, national insurance and VAT?
1: On the face of it that does seem the obvious solution but this is where it starts getting politically complex. Some listeners may recall that the Conservatives pledged in their manifesto at the last election they will not raise any other big free taxes which is therefore in a slightly awkward position. He may feel that the changes to the economic landscape are sufficient to supersede any pledges made in the last election. However, Tory backbenchers will be keen to see as, that as far as possible pledges are maintained so you will probably mm. get pressure from in, inside the party.
0: Okay so what about capital gains tax and I know you've mentioned um, to me before that that's a, a, a high risk of change.
1: Yes uh, because of the Conservatives pledge um, capital gains tax wasn't included in that um and for other reasons capital gains tax seems to be a relatively safe target for the government at the moment uh least because it's tax on windfalls so you only pay it when when normally when you're getting a one off cash benefit uh it's normally the more wealthy that pay it and the rates are relatively low currently which by some is seen as a tax break for the wealthy Many commentators are therefore tipping this as a tax that will be tweaked at least in the next budget, Mm. Um, and this is also supported by the Office of Tax Simplification recommending changes in a recent report. The inverted commas problem with changing the CGT rates is that it does not generate a significant amount of tax, though. So compared to the income tax and national insurance big figures, in well over a hundred billion pounds. CGT only brings in around £10 billion a year, so changes will only provide a relatively small contribution to the Covid deficits you've mentioned.
0: Mm, Okay, so let's talk Turkey. I appreciate its speculation, but if there are changes to CGT, what do you you predict that that they would be?
1: The best place to start with this is looking at the Office for Tax Simplifications report, where they recommended quite a few changes. I'll discuss a few of the key ones now. So one, they recommended an increase in the rates, potentially up to income tax rates, which will be very harsh on capital gains taxpayers. Two, reducing the annual exempt amount. So that's the threshold above which you start paying capital gains tax, below which you can effectively have capital gains tax-free transactions. Three, abolishing the tax-free uplift on death. So at the moment when you die, everyone's um, assets are uplifted to the value at death. And for example, if it's covered by a business property relief, you end up not paying inheritance tax at death or capital gains tax on a future sale mm. and potentially replacing business asset disposal relief, formerly known as entrepreneurs relief with a more retirement targeted relief. So effectively scrapping entrepreneurs relief and having something in its place, which no doubt will be less beneficial. Of as I can predict your next question, I expect the annual exempt amount is most likely to be affected in the next budget, so a reduction of that I think is quite likely. This may be coupled with a perhaps modest increase in CGT rates generally and possibly an advancement of payment deadlines. We've already seen this with property taxes recently. This could easily be extended to all forms of capital gains, so that you only have 30 days following the completion of the sour event in which to pay your capital gains tax. Okay.
0: So do you think generally there's going to be major changes in the budgets or do you think the major changes are going to be delayed to a later date?
1: I think there may be some tightening of reliefs, but I think the economy is too fragile for major hikes in tax or major reforms of the tax system at this time. Tax hikes also stall growth and growth is more important for the government, I think, at the moment than getting revenues in to cover the deficit. Tax sites are almost certainly going to come at some stage. But in this budget, I think the government will play it safe and take another year to consider the best approach.
0: You mentioned reliefs that could be that could be tightened. Are you thinking about any in particular? As I
1: mentioned before, the capital gains tax annual exemption, I think, is has got a target on its back. Another one that we could see changes with are pension contributions. Now we, we okay. see this under the spotlight at every budget, but COVID could give the government the excuse it needs to, to actually make a, another large change to these. This does have complications, however, politically, as doctors, for example, are, are quite affected by changes to the relief rules on pension contributions. So politically, any change in relief would need careful consideration from the government and possibly a carve that would need to be made for doctors. But that would then create quite a lot of complexity, uh, which is best avoided if if can be.
0: Mm-hmm. What about companies? Any changes for them?
1: Corporation tax could be increased, but corporation tax revenues have actually increased since the reductions to the rate more recently. Mm. Although that is not necessarily directly correlated with the, the reductions in, in the relief. The UK currently has one of the lowest corporation tax rates for G G20 country. The government may therefore prefer to maintain this position and have this shopfront window Low rate of corporation tax as, as, as a location point for overseas business to set up. However, corporation tax does account for 9% of tax revenues, as, as I mentioned earlier. Therefore, an increase in this would help the government reduce the deficit rates. So it's a difficult situation for the government on, on that. And certainly there has been some speculation in the press that rates will go up. On the flip side of that, there's going to be a lot of companies that are making losses at the moment. And what I wouldn't be surprised to see is an extension to loss relief rules like we saw in 2008, where a loss-making company can carry back its losses three years rather than a normal one year in normal times.
0: What about research and development? personal favourite of mine, R&D tax relief. What do you see happening there?
1: UK's R&D relief is a very generous relief. But with the UK positioning itself as the place to be for a technology business, making major changes to that relief could detriment that approach. What I expect we could see, rather than any reductions to the headline rates of the relief, is perhaps a tightening of the rules so that it is more targeted at, if you like, true R&D companies undertaking Meaningful R&D projects. Currently, it can be quite easy to uh, fall within the rules. It's not necessarily white lab coat kind of workers that um, gen- benefit from the relief. Fairly ru- not quite routine, but fairly low scale R&D projects, let's say, do benefit from relief, and the, re- the government may seek to cut cut that out a bit so it's more targeted at the traditional R&D high-level projects, which it was perhaps more intended for when it was set up.
0: Okay. Not all businesses run as companies. Any major changes expected for the self-employed? That's an
1: interesting one. When Rushi announced the Self-Employment Income Support Scheme, he did indicate there will be changes to align national insurance to employee rates. Mm. As noted earlier, though, this would be against his election pledge So whether that will happen in this budget or a later one, time will only tell. But that is certainly one that I think could happen in the next budget.
0: Mm. Although I think 10 years ago now, it doesn't feel that long ago that VAT rates increased. Any major VAT changes expected?
1: As noted earlier, it was in the Conservatives' manifesto pledge not to increase VAT rates. Mm. But it's certainly attractive tax for them to increase as it brings in revenues fairly quickly for them. If they wanted to have a halfway house, what they may look to do is reduce the VAT threshold so that more businesses are caught within the VAT net. However, administratively and, and the the burden that would provide to smaller businesses, I think that would out like, that would likely outweigh the, the benefit it would provide. So I think if there was to be VAT changes, it is likely to be on the rate. But whether now is the time for that, I'm not sure.
0: Okay. I think inheritance tax is the only major tax that we haven't touched on. Any changes expected there?
1: It is a major tax in terms of it's well-known and very emotive to, to taxpayers. However, in terms of actual revenue generation for the government, it's not actually that significant. Typically, it only brings in around £5 billion for the Treasury. So in the scheme of things, it's actually very small. Mm. Before the last budget, the all party parliamentary group issued a report recommending major reforms to the inheritance tax system. Many of these centred around abolishing reliefs, such as business property relief for example, but coupling with that with an overall reduction to the tax, the other recommendation in that report was the introduction of gift taxes. So if I give my child gift my children some money, I pay tax on that gift at that time, whereas that currently that would likely be in Inheritance and, and completely tax-free as long as I survive seven years. Mm. My feeling is that these types of changes are too radical at this time. As I mentioned earlier, the revenues generated by IHT are not significant. However, part of the reason they're not significant is because the big reliefs like business property reliefs exempts some quite significant estates which would otherwise pay a lot of tax. But at this time, whether that's the right thing to bring in, I'm not sure. So I think what we will see on that is more consultation. I think change is inevitable at some point, but at this time it doesn't feel right to me at least. Okay.
0: Any trusts um, uh, changes that you expect?
1: Again, trusts have been under review for a while. I think that this will link in with inheritance tax and capital gains tax reform. So I don't think that we will see anything too exciting on trusts in the next budget. However, if Rishi does feel that those taxes are needing reform, then trust tax, which which effectively would be led by capital gains tax and and inheritance tax, would would follow.
0: Mm, Okay. We've heard rumours that the government could impose uh, what's being called a wealth tax. Is there any truth to this?
1: Yeah, so the Wealth Tax Commission made a recommendation in late 2020 of a 5% wealth tax to be levied over five years on all individuals with assets over half a million pounds. Mm. Rishi rejected this, but there has been a press statement stating that there's consideration of what amounts effectively to a wealth tax on property owners. The essence of this is that we scrap, council tax and sdot and it's replaced on a annual tax which effectively taxes the property based on its current value
0: that sounds like it's fraught with problems
1: yes there's many problems with this one is it would be a major change in the uh, taxation of property yeah so there'd be a learning curve for everyone to get used to and and everyone would need to get familiar with which in a time of great uncertainty wouldn't be ideal There's also lots of problems with doing taxes on current values. What do you value a property as? You ask two valuers to value a property, they will come out with different values. This probably isn't a problem for houses that are worth around 10 million, let's say, because that's clearly over the threshold. Although there would obviously be some debate in valuation of whether it's 10 million or 10.1 million or 10.2 million. So still problems there. It wouldn't be a problem for properties that are well below the five hundred thousand. They they would fall out easy. But when a particular problem would arise is for properties around that five hundred thousand. Is it is it worth five hundred and one thousand? Is it worth four hundred and ninety-nine thousand? How do you make that decision on something that is such a subjective matter like valuation? And there would be a lot of people that would be in that position. That I suppose the government would have to set up a kind of clearance application for. That's going to add to government resources being consumed. It's going to add a lot of admin burden for, for the taxpayers and costs that's going to have to get valuations approved. So that, that's a, a, a big issue with taxes based on current paper wealth. The other issue with taxes being based on paper wealth rather than liquid funds is that there are a lot of elderly people that have lived in their house for a very long time, buying them at relatively cheap prices at the time, that have just been fortunate to live in a property that's grown in value. They likely have a higher property value, not much income. Where do they get the money for these taxes to pay for them? You're going to potentially end up forcing people like that to sell their home because they can't afford to live in them anymore because of the government policy which is not an ideal situation to be in. Wealth taxes have been levied in the past, but these have normally been more targeted at, I believe it was big utility companies, big oil companies back in the 90s. But something targeted at normal people, it'd be very hard to administer. And this is particularly so, as the reports that I've seen mm-hmm. um, over the weekend indicate that this would, at least initially, be a zero-sum game for the government. So overall, they're not expecting to... Increased tax rates from this. So, one asks, what is the purpose of introducing it?
0: So, we're coming to the end of the discussion. Final thought if you were Chancellor, what would you do, Martin? That's a difficult question, but for me, the key is to
1: keep the economy afloat. We need to maintain growth as much as possible, or at least reduce the loss of growth. And we need to ensure that businesses have funds to keep going especially those being hit most Mm. hard by the economy. I would avoid making major tax hikes now, as I think that could jeopardize that. Um, And I would target any tax rises to those that could clearly afford it um, and are in a position to, to not be overly affected by it. So, for example, corporation tax, I don't think I would increase that by any material amount. Maybe a small increase, but not anything extreme. Mm. One tax, in inverted commas, that seems like it could fit those metrics, that I just mentioned, would be the high-rate taxpayers' rate of national insurance. So, currently, high-rate taxpayers only pay 2% national insurance on their profits in, in uh, above the higher rate. That could be increased, say to 3% for example because that's one hitting the higher pay- payers who can arguably more afford to uh, mm-hmm. suffer the increase in tax two is only levied on those in employment so it's only those that have still got a job that pay it and three, it targets, uh, again, employees who have been one of the big winners, if you like, from uh, the reliefs provided by the government, for i.e. the Coronavirus Job Retention Scheme that has secured a lot of jobs. It would mean that they would be p- slightly paying back that, that mm. deficit arising from that themselves. However... Increasing national insurance for higher rate taxpayers isn't going to be a conservative-friendly approach. And it's not one that the conservatives are going to going to do easily, especially as it goes against their manifesto pledge. Triple lock. Yep. So mm. whether that will happen, um, long term, inevitably, we're going to be paying more tax in one form or another. So I think we're all going to have to get used mm. to the fact that this deficit is going to have to be paid at some point. And there will be tax hikes, but I think not for a year or two yet.
0: That's fascinating. So all the talk of concern of, of tax hikes in March, I appreciate that you're saying that there may be some in some areas, but what I hear you saying is that um, you think that that'll be delayed somewhat. So, no, very interesting. Okay, the killer question, what should listeners do now?
1: As we don't know what is going to be announced in the budget in March, care needs to be taken any plan that's purely speculative in nature as that may be undertaken at a cost and not actually have any effect or even worse if there's unexpected changes that go against that plan and you could end up in a worse position i think the key thing for taxpayers is try to get some certainty on your position so for example if you're in the process of a sale or liquidation of a of a company or a business try to get that completed prior to the march budget if possible if you're anticipating changes in ownership, if you can, get those done before the March budget. For example, you may look to use trusts, for example, to, to give equity interests to your children. Uh, that's certainly easier done with trading businesses than, than non-trading businesses. There's things to, to be considered. Other things to consider is things like paying dividends from companies now, if we see a hike in the dividend tax rates, for example, that's affected from the budget day, then getting those dividends paid pre the budget day would be advisable. So it's effectively just advising our clients just to review their position, consider any aspects of their personal position, which could be affected by any changes in, in the budget, particularly on capital gains tax, uh, pension reliefs, and things that, that we spoke through, through this discussion. And other than that, just, just keep in touch with your engagement partner. It's worth just having a call with, with them just to, just to make sure that they're fully aware of everything you're doing currently, um, and wanting to do in the near future so that we can consider if there's any planning that can be put in place. But as I say, it's a very difficult situation at the moment because it's all planning on speculation and, it could end up being a lot of cost for for no benefit.
0: Right. So as regards to sort of getting in touch, as Martin said, if um, you want to contact your usual contact or indeed any of the team, uh, the number is 01905 794504. Martin, thank you very much for, uh, for your time and your commentary and thanks for listening.